conversation do you want to get into first like uh do you, do you have do you have any experience with aliens with aliens me personally no but i know a guy Ooh. it's my dad <laughs> <laughs> tell me about your dad okay um <clears throat> so my dad is you know, classic, crazy, uh, crazy Irish dude, not to, not to be too stereotypical, but you know, sometimes it's like that. And, um, my dad is very, uh, very into aliens, like sits down, watches the history channel, watches ancient aliens, totally 1000% believer. Like if for some reason you ever have a chance to interact with my father, I encourage you to bring aliens up to him because (laughs) it is just a time and a half. I would love to. Oh my God. He's, my parents are wild. They're great. Um, But dad is just like, he's on another level. (laughs) So they have this story that they told me um, long, long time ago, uh, back, you know, before I was even in existence, I think they were still dating at this point. um, Cause when my dad immigrated over, he, they met up in New York and that's how they got together after meeting at a party. I'll tell their meeting story another time. It is hilarious. But um, (laughs) that's for another day. So um, they used to have a small boat. And because they were living on Long Island at the time, they uh, would sometimes just go out and like sit on the boat, chill out um, in the harbor and just sort of like, you know, get trashed and look at the sky and all that adorable shit. Beautiful. So, yeah, gorgeous. So they were there one night and they were, you know, getting super trashed, as is protocol. And um, they were just kind of looking out and around. And that night, there wasn't really anyone else in the harbor because it was a very small town that um, they were living in at the time. And um, there wasn't anyone else around. There was all kinds of stars in the sky. It was a beautiful, romantic evening. They had a giant case of beer and, for my mother, a giant bottle of wine. It was a good time. (laughs) So they kind of look out and they see these, like, moving lights in the sky. And it looks, it's completely different from a plane and it's completely different from like a satellite. Like it's not anything that they've ever seen before. Cause it's a little too big to be a satellite, but it seems a little bit far away to be a plane. Mm. And then the way that it's moving was very um, erratic. It was very like, you know, it wasn't like doing that gentle plane glide. It was a very like quick, like jerking movements. Yeah. Yeah. And then it stuck to hovering. And as they're looking at this, trying to figure out what it is, like, they're kind of looking at each other like, do you see what I see? Is this, like, is it the beer? Is it something else? And they're both kind of like, no, I don't think this is the beer. It's a little too weird and a little too specific. So they're both seeing it. Exactly. And they hear this, like, humming noise. Just this, like, this intense vibrating frequency. 
and they look down at the water and around them and all of these fish start floating to the surface belly up like just dying like in mass quantities holy shit yeah dead ass so they're looking around at all these dying fish like what the fuck is going on we just wanted to have a nice date and then they look up (laughs) and this light thing is just gone hmm completely gone Hmm. and to this day they both have no idea what it was or how it happened or whether it was something special but there was no one else around and both of them tell the same story the same way yeah and both of them are pretty convinced especially my dad that it was an alien or many wow i know like i'm i'm listening to um last podcast on the left is doing uh skinwalker ranch uh, mm-hmm. over in Utah um they're talking about how uh how the alien phenomenon works over there like orbs orbs of light mm-hmm. um they even mentioned uh UFOs that look a certain way but different than this the typical sphere but um something of note is always the dragonfly-esque movement of the device you know mm-hmm. of the of the ship. So when you said zigzagging without any sort of like purpose, but it's still like a, like a calculated movement, I immediately thought of like a, like a dragonfly of how it kind of zips, but stops in like the exact spot it wants to. Yeah, exactly. And like the idea of seeing almost like a light like that, you know, like knowing that things that big don't move like that, at least not yet. Um, to to our knowledge, um, conspiracies. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> can you believe? Can you believe that Trump hasn't said anything about Area Fifty One yet? Do you think that they didn't tell him? Because I think they didn't tell him. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, because that's the <laughs> only way he would not. ever keep it quiet. <laughs> I mean, like, I I know it's stereotypical to be like, oh, aliens, Area 51, blah, 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 but, like, come on, like, let's be real. There absolutely is a sector. There absolutely is some sort of development R&R. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think we'll ever hear about it. I think we'll always get glimpses, you know, we'll always get little, uh, little pieces here and there, like, uh, what is it now, um... You know, 10 years ago, they were talking about hoverboard technology. Only now, Mm -hmm. commercially, um, is that something we're seeing, you know, now, like outside? You know, 10 years ago, they were talking about robot suits and jetpacks and shit. Only now are we starting to see, like, commercial use of jetpacks or exoskeletons for military and shit like that. So it's like everything has a starting place, but when it comes to... Like, when it comes to technology, everything has, like, a starting place of mm-hmm. uh, development in some kind of government sect that we probably don't know about. But when it comes to, like, alien and species and whether or not we've had contact or anything like that, I'm actually mm-hmm. fairly certain we'll, we'll, like, never find out about it. I think the um, the government is too scared about what the public reaction would be. I think mm-hmm. they they think human levels of chaos are already something that they can't, you know, estimate or control necessarily. Mm-hmm. So ignorance is always going to be a better option. I I'm a firm believer in aliens whether we're mm-hmm. talking about um space or dimension, uh what have you. There are um there's too much there's too much space 
in space mm-hmm. and too much unexplained science throughout history and like um you know whether or not you even want to talk sightings Mm -hmm. like all of that shit there's just there's too much to just say nah you know oh yeah no i totally agree i just like i don't know i feel like it makes way more sense to believe in aliens than not to believe in aliens agree for no other reason because it's just like i don't know it just it's so unlikely for them not to exist. Like, I feel like it's way more likely for them to not to be here than to not be here. Especially if the universe is infinitely expanding. I just like, I don't see how you could say with confidence that there's absolutely no possibility of other intelligent life. It just doesn't seem logical. Yeah. Um, that actually, that made me think of a really great story that was read on, Uh, last podcast i'm gonna try and find it right now um Mm -hmm. because it kind of explains my feeling with why uh aliens haven't like made themselves known to us Mm -hmm. at least not like in a public you know service announcement kind of way Uh um let me see if i could find it i think that they think we suck and they're just like And they're like, man, no way. Those guys are fucking assholes. We don't want to talk to them. No, thank you. Blocked and reported. I think I found it. (laughs) You and I are going to start by reading this. Uh, It's a conversation between two aliens. Um, So you can like start as the one and I'll read the other. Henry Zabrowski of Last Podcast on the Left read this story on one of his episodes, um, Henry Zabrowski is kind of the alien expert. He's like an actual MUFON member, um, mm-hmm. for members of, uh, like X-Files, you, you know, the one, the one character, I always forget his name. Um, the, the 80s, super long hair, uh, nerd who lives out in the desert by himself in the van who like <laughs> alien conspiracy theorizes with Mulder. That's um, me. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. I am that person. It was just me. Um, so that's kind of like Henry for last podcast on the left. Okay. And um, when he reads this story, he reads it with such glee <laughs> that I'm that I'm hoping that you will you will enjoy it just as much as I do. And I'm just gonna see if I can copy and paste it here into our chat log. Okay. I, I I guess there's one anecdotal story I can I can tell before uh before we hop into it. But um Yes, give me your We aliens. we have a we have a guest on the show. His name is Mr. Skelly Bones. Mm-hmm. He claims to have had an experience himself. Okay. And I I I know him. He's a pretty um you know, uh, I've never had a situation where I've looked at him and I'm like you're lying out of your ass. Like this is a guy who uh, I've known for the better, you know, probably more than 10 years mm-hmm. and he has never exaggerated like anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also not drama heavy, mm-hmm. but um, he, he claims that, you know, um, in the back roads around us, you know, around our, our school system, you know, we, we also live, um, we live towards a lot of uh, cornfields mm-hmm. and like farm fields and stuff. So there's a lot of empty space around us that people might not recognize. But if you go, you know, 
north or south in any direction of where I specifically live, you will just be in the middle of nowhere, like giant fields and stuff. And um, he lives down the street from me, so it's easy for me to say that if you were to just cross the street and go down, you know, head south and just keep driving, he would be in cornfields. So Mm -hmm. he tells the story kind of like this, that he was driving one night and... um, out over the field, he saw an oblong shape just kind of floating there. No lights or anything, but just something just floating there. And um, his radio started to do something weird, and he stopped his car to get like a better look at it. He didn't leave his car. And essentially, the shape kind of shifted in in space without like actually trying to move mm-hmm. and it it at one point got closer and closer to his car and when he tried turning his car back on uh it wouldn't start and that's all he kind of remembers this drive had to have been late at night he said he he had had some weed he was driving home from uh, a friend's house mm-hmm. so like he was you know, just like just like your pops, he was intoxicated, but, like, this isn't the type of person to embellish stories with, with me specifically. And he mentions that at one point the shape was directly above his car, and he was too afraid to get out. And then at one point he kind of blinked, and his car was able to turn back on. Wow. But when he turned his car back on, he was missing maybe, I don't know... 10 minutes of time. Okay, that's fucking fucked. I, I, whoa. Uh, so he knows he was only sitting there staring at it for what felt like two minutes, but when he turned the car back on, it had been something like 10 to 15. And he was like, that didn't make sense. And like when, I remember he told me this story a long time ago, and I hope I'm not butchering it too much if he is listening, but, um, You know, he could always come on to an episode and explain it himself. (laughs) He just... I remember seeing the look on his face when he told me that he, like, lost time. And I'm like, that is a thing. You know, like, that's something that a lot of abductees talk about. Like, losing time, but ending up back in the same place that they originally were when the phenomenon started happening. Yeah, that seems to be a common thread in, like different stories that I've seen at least slash yeah. heard of. Yeah. So. And I'm not, I'm not looking at him like, wow, this, you know, this nerd has done his research and knows exactly what to say about, you know, alien abductions in a vague enough way that it'll make me interested in his story. But like, he said it in a way that like, I just really believed him and understood where he was coming from. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't I just couldn't help but be like, yeah, we live in the kind of area. Pennsylvania is a very weird kind of spooky state. Like we've talked about it a bunch on the show about how PA probably has more paranormal phenomenon than like a lot of other states. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not hard for me to say he absolutely had like an experience. I can't confirm or deny that naturally, but I'm also like, I'm also totally jealous because I'm the person who used to drive around late at night 
you know, for no reason at all, you know, almost hoping that something like that would happen. <laughs> so I was about for, to say hunting for aliens. <laughs> he, he, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say hunting for aliens. I would just say going on a real smoke run, you know, just like getting real fucking baked, <laughs> putting on some good tunes and then just driving around because I didn't want to be home and I didn't want to be like sober, you know, <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to be, uh, around anyone, so I would just put on some great music, get super baked, and then go on a drive through those really rural and like pastoral settings around here. Definitely, and it's it. You can you can definitely drive like a full half hour before you hit the next city, mm-hmm. and only drive through like fields. Oh yeah, like you can do you can do that around me, and um. All of North Carolina's like that, so I feel you. Well, yeah, yeah, no, having driven down there, I mean a lot more a lot more mountains heading down there, but mm-hmm. like absolutely. Um I remember as a kid, my dad used to uh my dad's a real asshole. He used to uh tell stories about like uh creatures living in the cornfields and that if we ever Oh my god. <laughs> If we ever got our cars stopped next to the cornfields, we should stay in the car and just call for help and keep the, you know, keep the car locked down because he didn't want the creatures to come out and get us. And I was just oh like, God. I'm like, Dad, Father. Dad, stop. <laughs> Dad, why? Dad, no. Dad, please. Father, please. Yeah, but that's, you know. It's it's funny. I almost ask for it at this point. Like like, hey, aliens, come. You're like driving. The <laughs> hey, aliens, come beam me up. I want to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I want to leave. <laughs> aliens. I think this is please. this is probably the funnier perspective that I've ever had on any of the the other two alien episodes. Because because on episode alien episode one, extraterrestrial one. I don't have the numbers. Probably somewhere in the sixties. Because this is episode, holy shit. Many. Episode 124 with Cannibal Siren. Hi. Um, <laughs> hi. Hi. <laughs> hi there. That's me. <laughs> Make me sound like the dumbest bitch I've heard of you alive. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Not at all. And when, uh, when I did the first episode with, uh, uh, our guest crying Hawaiian mm-hmm. he um he he loves aliens in the way that he's like absolutely terrified by them ah yes and and wants to read convincing fiction about like scary shit happening spooky aliens that's kind of yeah that's kind of fun and then my second uh extra terrestrial episode <laughs> uh was with gnarly charlie and he's very optimistic he likes to look at it from a science perspective and he and i talked for a long time about um atlantis about roswell Mm -hmm. about what that entire you know uh you know misconception was there Mm -hmm. um it absolutely was a weather balloon they just couldn't say that because they didn't want um you know things in the in the war the cold war to uh to change around for people to be you know uh copying our science Mm -hmm. so they absolutely let people think that it was aliens because it was a it was a better narrative at the time (laughs) funny that aliens are the better narrative just once you know (laughs) well during during weird war times between two 
powerful governments, like, yeah, they'll, they'll pick anything to cover up what they're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, which at the time was, um, trying to cre- create a technology to see if aircrafts were coming in our direction. Mm-hmm. You know, they were trying to create, um, to sum it up very, uh, you know, shortly, uh, they created a device in the water, in the ocean, uh, mm-hmm. back in the First World War to be able to tell when submarines are in the area and, like, coming towards us, mm-hmm. um, you know, to shoot missiles and shit. Yeah. So they shit. wanted to take missiles and shit. Yeah. You know, that's what that's what Hitler called it, missiles Definitely. and shit. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and when... Operation uh, missiles and shit. Yeah, absolutely. That's, like, every Friday night. Yeah. And when... <laughs> When they tried to do the same thing for air to anticipate, you know, people flying by and just dropping a bomb and leaving, mm-hmm. um, they wanted something to kind of act as the same kind of home sensory to anticipate that movement. Mm-hmm. And essentially what they were doing was they were they were using the same technology from the ocean but putting it on something that goes up into the air. Mm-hmm. And naturally it doesn't work the same way. And, um, and then this weather balloon, uh, with weird tech on it, crashes in the middle of, you know, Bumblefuck Town, Mm -hmm. and everyone loses their goddamn minds, um, thinking it's aliens. So, really, really funny, and, you know, that's, from a science-y perspective, Gnarly Charlie and I love to talk theories, and, you know, reasoning, and he's the kind of guy who... I have actually, like, on acid, sat outside with him and just stared at the sky and talked about aliens mm-hmm. for, like, two hours. So he was, like, the perfect person to have on an alien episode for the show. Oh, definitely. Um, so I'm glad that you're just as enthusiastic. Definitely. About aliens and that you even had some stories to bring to the table. Oh, yeah. Um, because my joke... My joke has always been, if you can ask an alien one thing, what would you ask it? Is this a question for me? I am asking you, yeah. What does the alien look like? <laughs> what does... Um, let's go with the standard either short or tall gray. Um, well, I am a big believer in consent. Like, you know, me too, time's up, all that good stuff. So I uh-huh. will ask for consent and we will smash. Yeah, ideally. <laughs> Is this where I tell you the title of the episode is already planned? Um, and I can tell you the title of this episode? Absolutely. Tell me the title of the episode. It's called Probe Me Daddy. <laughs> you were really ready for me, huh? <laughs> oh, it's like I knew exactly what your answer was going to yeah, be. You did. You so. Knew. I'm a little In Extraterrestrial 1, I had said that the one question I was going to ask was going to be how aliens get off. Because that's got to be some out of this world yeah, shit. Yeah, we want to know. Science, right? <laughs> it's for science. And, um, and Crying Hawaiian did not like my answer. <laughs> he was like, out of, he was like, out of everything, really? That's what, that's what you're most concerned about yes and i'm like yeah, yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah, the either that or if they're absolutely. if they're alien drugs you know is there anything that that they uh 
recreationally used to get fucked up because I would I would definitely want to hit some some space weed. <laughs> I was about to say space weed, space LSD. <laughs> well, did you hear about that? That's up. actually kind of funny. We can talk about that. Um, did you hear about the one um, debris? So they found some debris in space recently. Mm-hmm. This is not a joke. This is actual shit for people listening to the episode. I think I know what you're about to say, actually. Go on. Yeah, they found they found debris in space with with uh, very trace amounts of THC. Wow. So the, aliens the chemical... are up there getting blasted <laughs> and not hanging rocks. out with us. <laughs> <laughs> They're We're getting blasted of... off space rocks. What a bunch of assholes. This sucks. They aren't even sharing. They're like pretending they aren't there. You know what? You know what human beings are. We're the guy who comes to the door during the house party and knocks, and everyone gets real quiet and turns off all the lights and (laughs) turns off the music. And they're like, "Shh!" They're like, "Don't tell that guy. We don't want him here. He's gonna kill the whole vibe." You can't let the humans in. Don't let the humans Mm -mm. in. They're gonna kill the whole vibe. The party will be ruined. Like, don't fucking do it. I'm looking at you, Jerry. Don't fucking do it. Don't say anything. I don't care how cute you think they are. You know and what then, happened the last time we let a human in the party? You remember what happened last time? They came <laughs> in and they just screamed the whole time. They said, where am I? What's happening? What is this? It fucking sucked, you? man. No one gives yeah, a shit about Yeah, the whole party. Feelings. All that we wanted to do was fuck. Yeah, what a load of bullshit. God. And then they lock the door and then we <laughs> give up and go away. And then they're like, eh, eh, eh. And then they're going to pull another Roswell, but for real this time later. <laughs> So, um, after finding out that there was trace lines of THC in space rocks, I basically came, you know, this was after, this has been recent, like in the last, um, I would say two to three weeks, like I've heard about that. Mm -hmm. So like extraterrestrial one and two have already happened in the last like year, those Mm -hmm. episodes somewhere in the sixties and seventies. It's been a long time since we've done an alien episode because I've been waiting to do it with you and, um, your last episode, we needed to do something else. So, uh, your episode, I think it's 98 needed to be something before we do aliens and so now we're doing your alien episode alien episode three i find out that space rocks have fucking thc in them now i'm now i know how the aliens get fucked up and now i'm jealous that i'm you know not doing it with them <laughs> having read this story before i can be the one who is describing this stuff all right i'm excited let's go so so this story no doubt uh, most popular for being read on one of the creepypasta episodes on last podcast on the left. Um, I did get this story from their, uh, from their episode, but I also want to read it on our show mm-hmm. because uh, we actually have guests to read stories with and change dialogues and do stuff. So uh, this story is called They're Made Out of Meat. And it goes a little something like this. They're made out of meat. Meat. They're made out of meat. Meat. There's no doubt about it. We picked up several from different parts of the planet, took them aboard, our recon vessels, and probed them all the way through. They're completely meat. That's impossible. What about the radio signals? The messages to the stars? They use the radio waves to talk. But the signals don't come from them. The signals come from machines. So who made the machines? That's who we want to contact. They made the machines. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Meat made the machines. That's ridiculous. 
How can meat make a machine? You're asking me to believe in sentient meat. I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. These creatures are the only sentient race in that sector, and they're made out of meat. Maybe they're like the Orfoli, you know, a carbon-based intelligence that goes through a meat stage? Nope. They're born meat, and they die meat. We studied them for several of their lifespans, which didn't take long. Do you have any idea what the lifespan of meat is? Spare me. Okay, maybe they're only part meat. You know, like the Wedili. A meathead with an electron plasma brain inside. Nope, we thought of that. Since they do have meat heads like the Wedili. But I told you, we probed them. They're meat all the way through. No brain? Oh, there's a brain alright. It's just that the brain is made out of meat. That's what I've been trying to tell you. So, what does the thinking? You're not understanding, are you? You're refusing to deal with what I'm telling you. The brain does the thinking. The meat. Thinking meat? You're asking me to believe in thinking meat? Yes, thinking meat. Conscious meat. Loving meat. Dreaming meat. The meat is the whole deal. Are you beginning to get the picture, or do I have to start all over? Oh my god, you're serious then. They're made out of meat. Thank you. Finally, yes, they are indeed made out of meat, and they've been trying to get in touch with us for almost a hundred of their years. Oh my god. So, what does this meat have in mind? First, it wants to talk to us. Then I imagine it wants to explore the universe, contact other sentiences, swap ideas and information, the usual. We're supposed to talk to meat. That's the idea. That's the message they're sending out by radio. Hello, anyone out there? Anybody home? That sort of thing. They actually do talk, then. They use words, ideas, concepts? Oh yes, except they do it with meat. I thought you just told me they use radio. They do, but what do you think is on the radio? Meat sounds. You know, how when you slap or flap meat, it makes a noise? They talk by flapping their meat at each other. They even sing by squirting air through their meat. Oh my god. Singing meat? This is altogether too much. So what do you advise? Officially or unofficially? Both. Officially, we are required to contact welcome, and log in any and all sentient races or multi-beings in this quadrant of the universe without prejudice, fear, or favor. Unofficially, I advise that we erase the records and forget the whole thing. I was hoping you would say that. It seems harsh, but there is a limit. Do we really want to make contact with meat? I agree 100%. What's there to say? Hello, meat. How's it going? But will this work? How many planets are we dealing with here? Just one. They can travel to other planets in special meat containers, but they can't live on them. And being meat, they can only travel through sea space, which limits them to the speed of light and makes the possibility of their ever making contact pretty slim. Uh, infinitesimal, in fact. So we just pretend there's no one home in the universe. That's it. Cruel. But you said it yourself. Who wants to meet meat? And the ones who have been aboard our vessels, the ones you probed, you're sure they won't remember? Yeah, they'll be considered crackpots if they do. We went into their heads and smoothed out their meat, so that's 
We're just a dream to them. A dream to meet. How strangely appropriate that we should be a meat's dream. And we marked the entire sector unoccupied. Good. Agreed. Officially and unofficially. Case closed. Any others? Anyone interesting on that side of the galaxy? Yes, a rather shy but sweet hydrogen core cluster intelligence in a class 9 star in G445 zone. Was in contact with two galactic rotations ago. Wants to be friendly again. They always come around. And why not? Imagine how unbearably cold the universe would be if one were all alone. Oh, Damn. <laughs> so that made you sad? Yeah, it made me sad. I was like, oh. I <laughs> thought it would exa- make you laugh. <laughs> but it's exactly what I said, though. Where that guy at the party, they saw us knocking at the door and they locked it. That's exactly that. Ex- that's exactly the same thing. We're the Jehovah's <laughs> right. Witnesses um, of the universe. <laughs> which is why I thought you would enjoy that story. I just like the idea that, like, yeah, yeah, we're pretty much we're pretty much meat sacks, right? Oh yeah, without a doubt, I am a sack of meat, losing <laughs> sack of meat. Lately, yeah. lately, I've just been complaining to people about like my meat not working. Like you know, my assigned meat sack is defective. I need a new I need one. New meat. I need new meat. <laughs> oh, there's that. What's that's, that? What, that's what my profile on Tinder says. Really? <laughs> What's that show? That show Altered Carbon? They called body sleeves, right? I want a new sleeve. Oh, I love that show, yeah. Yeah, I want a new sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> I need meat a new sleeve. One. I want a new meat sleeve. This one's not working out. Oh, that's that's a synonym for vagina. Oh god. <laughs> It is, no, it is not. You you put that back. I want you to take that and put it back in the cabinet. I will. And it's it okay. I, I'll forget it. So <laughs> you wanted to read. Um, you wanted to read the the true story. Yeah. So do you want to take this next one? Sure. Um, just give it a control F and search true story. You got it. Um, this next story is called Strange Gliding Object, which I'm hoping. Uh, Kind of turns out like my buddy Skelly Bones' story. Oh, I hope so, too. That would be cool. Strange gliding object. True story. Two buddies and myself were hanging out in the garage one night when we noticed a certain star seemed to be flickering very brightly and shifting colors. I can't say this had any connection to be what we saw next, but it was very odd, and it was the reason we were staring up in the first place. After a while of watching the star flare up, we moved into the front yard and noticed another star was blinking similarly. It was at this time that I noticed something in the sky. I only glanced at it at first, thinking it was a bird, but my glance caused one of my friends to look up and I snapped my head back with the sudden realization that the bird I had glanced at seemed to be two masses instead of one. The masses were light gray and oval and seemed way too close to each other and too large to be birds, maybe pelicans, but we're not that close to the sea. Small wings came off both sides, but seemed to join in between them. No head was visible at the front end of the oval. Definitely not pelicans. This guy really likes pelicans. He's very... I'm glad that he's using a process of elimination. I'm very proud. (laughs) The wings did not appear to move, but the object glided along the ground... Excuse me. The object glided along at around 30 or 40 miles per hour, or at least a fast speed for a bird. It was gliding at about the height of the telephone poles plus another half pole. Units of measurement, excellent also. (laughs) 
scientific fact. I love science. It passed directly over us, and shortly after, both masses appeared to turn in and combine into a V-shape, all while keeping the exact same trajectory and speed. They separated, then turned back in towards each other and formed the V-shape again. About this time, me and my friends all look at each other and start freaking the fuck out. I wouldn't write this if it wasn't true. I've told people the story and got crazy looks, but I don't care, because it's true. I know I wasn't hallucinating because my friends saw the exact same thing. Otherwise, I don't know if I would believe my own eyes. Has anyone ever had a similar sighting? Because I've never heard of anything like this. Probably doesn't sound that scary, but that night really rocked my perceptions of reality. By the way, I welcome all debunking. I've tried my hardest, but I can't seem to rationalize what we saw. I know it can be hard to tell the size of something in the sky without anything to reference it to, but it wasn't that high up. Pelicans are the only large birds anywhere near my area, but these seem big even for pelicans. And as I mentioned, it did not have the large bells of a pelican or even a noticeable head. Story ends. So, uh, this person may or may not have witnessed the the consummation of two bald eagles in the sky. <laughs> yep. That's what I'm hoping for. I'm, sh- <laughs> I'm sure you know about how bald eagles fuck oh, cannibal sirens. Absolutely. We love a fucking death drop. <laughs> like, let's go. <laughs> let's fucking die. Yeah, let's go. What's, tex- uh, what's Texas about, about that story? dying in the process? <laughs> <laughs> not worth having. Honestly. Um, on- that was not... I was hoping it would be a little more wild, but I also, like... I don't know. I feel like it's just within the realm of possibility... Like, it's just possible enough for me to be like, yeah, okay, true story. And it's also just improbable enough for me to be like, okay, maybe aliens, but I didn't find it to be too convincing. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know um, what, you know, the kind of uh, disconnecting, reconnecting thing. I don't think I've ever really heard of that before in the same uh, in the same sense of alien vessels, you know... Um, for me, like I mentioned earlier, it's always like, um, you know, the, the oval shape, the oblong mm-hmm. shape, um, triangular shape, um, or orbs of light, you know, yeah, like, yeah. uh, it's, it's never really been like a, like a transformer dissecting and reconnecting or anything like that. Yeah, I definitely agree. It like, it does like some, that's the thing, like some of the things track with the other stuff that I've heard about aliens and then some of it doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, but I did like that at the end he was like, listen, like, I know this sounds stupid. And I was like, okay, like, if you're willing to at least <laughs> be like, it. yeah, this sounds dumb. Yeah. yeah but I, I, I'm a little more inclined to be like, okay, maybe. But I don't know. Some people are very convincing. Uh, let me, I want to see the title list. I want to, I want to pick one from that list. Um. Awesome. I want to go with another one that is kind of, uh, kind of like what we just read. Stick into the same vein. This one's called... My manager's story. Okay. This is also from Reddit No Sleep. Preloader, my manager is a funny fellow, but sometimes he can just be straight out weird. Not in a creepy floats around the room kind of way. <laughs> That's like my ex-girlfriend. But at any given moment, <laughs> he can have a bipolar <laughs> moment and do anything. And being bipolar, I know what he means. And what he means is lose his shit. <laughs> He could talk about how lovely his two daughters are, or he could whisper something phallic in your ear. Mostly my ear. I think he's gay. I don't know. Or he could just get so emotionally upset when you talk back to him. 
Anywho. I doubt he's, I doubt he's gay. You know, he he's just like sensitive. That straight dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> straight sensitive. <laughs> it is me. I am the manager. Anywho. He showed me this pretty cool game called Haven and Hearth, and I would play occasionally with him. One of these occasions, I had asked him a random question. I asked if he has ever seen a UFO, and almost immediately he responded with, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's the end of the story. <laughs> I thought that oh was silly, God. but I respected his answer, and then he replied again with, maybe some other time, to which I was very excited. Frankly, I've never seen a UFO, but after watching movies like The Fourth Kind, yuck, and countless dreams where I encounter <laughs> UFOs in my front yard, I both fear them and am intrigued by them. Later in the week, we both have same hours, and I bring it up subtly, but he gives me a look where he really doesn't want to talk about it, and I'm like, damn, so I let it go. But then once again, when I think it's a lost cause, he just starts me this random-ass story. I once lived with a buddy of mine in Michigan, in a secluded little town. Now I only stayed with him for a week because I was visiting him since he had been a longtime friend before we strayed apart. One night he was working the graveyard shift at this gas station that was the last one before a long straightaway of road that went to the next town but was completely empty. The surrounding area was dense woods and nothing else, so he always worked in an isolated area. My friend and I sat behind the counter, which was at the front of the shop part of the station, and it was not too crazy to have people come in late at night, which it was midnight at this point. So we're just chilling, and then a customer walks in and goes straight to the back where the drinks are. My friend Josh greets him, and the customer replies by complimenting the clear night. Now first off, when this guy came in, he just gave off waves of creepiness. He wore all black and had darker than black hair, and really pale face. Really pale. He grabbed his beverage and walked over to the counter, and Josh started ringing up his drink. He starts talking to us again about the weather and how nice it is, and we both agree. He exchanges his money and walks around to the exit saying goodbye, and we wave him off, also saying to have a good night. A minute passes before we realize what had happened. Josh looks at me with a concerned face, as I was probably doing that to him. The guy, the entire conversation, hadn't opened his mouth the whole time. But he wasn't mumbling his words, I heard him audibly as you would with anyone you talk to today. Josh noticed too. He also said that the way the guy moved around the shop, I, I don't think he was walking. I don't know why we didn't see it before. We both ran out of the shop to look out onto the road because it stretched for miles. You would see brake lights going either way. And strangely, we both looked both directions and impossibly there were no lights, which either this guy could drive a mile a second or he didn't have a car, which is entirely unlikely as this place is in the middle of nowhere. An hour passed and we calmed down a bit. I said to him, I was going to go ahead and go. It was one o'clock and I was getting really tired. I said my goodbye and left, got into my car and started to drive back to his apartment. It couldn't have been a few minutes, I'm pretty sure I wasn't speeding, but some police lights showed up in my rearview mirror. I slowed to a stop, and as proper pr procedure in Michigan, I bent down to reach for my registration, which I kept in my glove department. I pulled it out and got back up, but the lights were gone. I turned around and there was no car, maybe I got lucky. Then I looked at the time, and I wish I never did. 
The clock showed 3.33. Satan! <laughs> when I How? had just left the station, it was only 1.25. Um, y- you know the whole 3.33 thing, right? No, actually, I always think of 666, so I was like, yay, have Satan. Well, that's that's the thing. You can't get to 666 o'clock, so uh... people always claimed that 333 is the closest to it, which oh, is why people devil. claim that, like, the witching hour is actually, like, 3 a.m. Huh. That's some old, like, Southern Baptist bullshit, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. All right. Two hours had passed in the time that I had bent down and got back up. I didn't know what to do, so I did the only sane thing to do and just finished driving home. But the whole night I couldn't fall asleep, and as tired as I was, my mind couldn't stop thinking. As he finished this story to me, I was getting ready for delivery and actually walking out to my car, so he kind of wrapped it up pretty quickly. But in my head, which I told him out loud, you got abducted, dude. I'm sorry, but you freaking, you got freaking abducted. He gave me that look he gave earlier and said, I don't want to talk about it, and turned back inside. I got in my car and thought with grimace, how much that sucks. That does suck. That sucks, man. Oh, God. The guy left out the part where his butt hurt for the rest of the night. <laughs> Why is that always the probe thing? Like, would, is that where, like, I mean, we have mouths. Wouldn't that make just as much sense? Oh, I think in X-Files, um, in X-Files, Scully's probe is in, like, her back or something. Yeah, it was, like, it was, like, um, na- it was nasty. Moulter was, like, taken apart and put back together. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't know if, you know, it's not, it's not, I mean, I think the joke is that it's always the butt, but like, I don't, I don't I think wa- it's I like a... I want a scientific reason. <laughs> <laughs> there is no scientific reason. There's just people with butt jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take what I can get. Um, I liked that last story. I thought it was written, you know, stupidly, but, but I, um... Yeah. But I liked I liked how the story was told. Like uh, when it switched over to the manager perspective, I actually really liked that. I like um, I like the subtlety of someone describing a situation and then only afterwards they're like, "Wait, that wasn't right at all." <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. that's such a that's such a human concept to pretend that things are okay when they're like clearly not. And I think it's funny that the guy almost, like, floated around this gas station, you know, drinking Mountain Dew and grabbing Twinkies, and Mm. then, like, telepathically just having a really great conversation with these guys, and then leaves, (laughs) you know? I just thought it was funny. I know, it is funny. Well, because, like, that's also what happens, though, because I feel like you, like, when something weird like that goes down, you don't want to believe it's weird because you're just like, oh, like, what a nice guy. You're like, da, da, da. like, you're not like, yeah. your, your threat, like, your, your brain isn't like, this man is a threat. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then after he leaves, you're like, oh, fuck, wait a second. <laughs> well, they, they actually say, like, par- uh, paranormal and, you know, alien research <laughs> investigators actually claim that um, when you full on meet, like a tall gray or a short gray or, you know, any type of the, uh, like, 12 classes of aliens, um, and you acknowledge it fully, mentally, mm-hmm. that it actually makes you regress and jump into, like, a primal state of fear. Yeah, that makes where sense. People, where people's two reactions are either to run away or to, like, fight it. 
and mm-hmm. neither of those are going to do you any good against you know like a tall gray specifically yeah um so it's just like you know for for this situation to happen it had to have been um at least trying to appear human like mm-hmm. in order to not you know, uh, not have that kind of, yeah, not have that kind of reaction, which I always liked about, uh, the science of, uh, of aliens, you know, how Mm -hmm. humans would react to that. Um, well, you know, um, there's like a similar, I, I don't know if, I don't know if it's like, I don't know if study's the right word because this is really delving into like paranormal because it's like demonology. And I, so I don't want to like, I don't want to be like, this is facts because, you know, debatable at best. But one of the reasons that people say, like, you know, when people talk about hauntings and things like that in their house, they always talk about seeing kids and it's kind of like agreed upon in the, like, you know, paranormal psychology or whatever they call it community that demons and things like that appear as children to seem less threatening and it makes it easier Mm. to like access humans. You know what I mean? Ah. so yeah so that's and like ghosts and demons and things like that if they exist and i'm not gonna go off and say that yes it's a fact but that's like the commonly agreed upon explanation for why so many hauntings have like children images yeah they claim children children are easier for the mind to accept (laughs) um you know people people don't want to lash out and kick a kid in the face you know exactly we're we're not raised that way so i guess that's a good way to um you know, naturally take us down a peg and play against our perceptions a little bit, which is, which is fun. You know, if I saw a little kid, you know, living, you know, living in my large, empty, uh, labyrinthine house by myself, um, I'm sure if I saw a little kid appear, I would almost immediately kick them in the face. So, you know, maybe yeah, not no. everyone. <laughs> It's the same thing here. I mean, I live in an apartment with two other dudes my age. Like, if a small child manifests anywhere in here, I'm throwing something. Like, <laughs> you don't belong here. Nope. That's I I, aborted. Like, no, we're not. <laughs> we're not fucking doing this. <laughs> Absolutely oh, not. Shit. <laughs> so, uh, so the story you picked was bubbles. And this is actually from a different source, which we may have read before. Mm -hmm. Um, It's called Unsettling Stories. I think think your earlier episodes about um, mermaids and fish monsters and shit, they were unsettling stories. So hopefully this is a good, uh, hopefully this is like a good uh, alien or unexplained creature kind of story. Let's find out. I was getting my hand stitched up in the ER last night when a series of rapid beeps sounded on the intercom, followed by an announcement of ABD Code A Bay 1. Every doctor and nurse in the area stopped what they were doing and rushed to the main ER entrance. They got there just in time to meet the ambulances. I couldn't see anything, so I waited. I figured there had to have been a serious accident. My phone rang. It was Lucy, my wife. She asked how my hand was. I told her they were still stitching it up. I apologized for getting blood all over her bagel, and she laughed and told me, and said she told me not to cut it that way. There was a pause while Lucy answered one of the kids' questions in the background. Then she came back on the line and asked if I saw that really bright light about a half an hour ago. I didn't know what she was talking about, so she went on. It was crazy bright. The whole sky was this weird pastel pink color. Then it turned white. It almost hurt to look at it, it was so bright. Huh, I replied. Maybe it was a UFO. 
craned my neck to see over the mass of people huddled, huddled by the ambulance bay. Still nothing. Lucy laughed. Yeah, I must have been aliens. She said something to one of the kids again, then came back on the line. Okay, I'm gonna go. Joey said he's about to throw up. The joys of parenthood. <laughs> I said goodbye and ended the call. The commotion of the other end of the ER was growing, and more people from other parts of the hospital had gotten there. Something smelled terrible. I covered my nose and mouth with my shirt and stood up. I walked over to the window so I could get a better look at what was happening. The crowd had thinned slightly. I saw a few nurses running off, probably to pick up supplies. At the end of the hall were two gurneys with medical personnel hovering over them. The smell got worse, and I gagged inside of my shirt. One of the gurneys began to move as someone pushed it down the hall. I stood in the doorway and watched. As the victim came into view, my eyes widened. It was a young woman covered in head to toe in what I could only describe as bubbles. Some were as small as a pea, others were the size of a grapefruit. They all throbbed and pulsated from some pressure inside of them, and every so often one would tear open and weep yellow fluid onto the gurney. The smell was overwhelming. Pushed her into the room next to mine. I could see everything from the window and the wall. They didn't bother closing the curtains. As I heard the other gurney being pushed by, I glanced over at it. Another girl, maybe 12 or 13, I shuddered. I directed my gaze back at the person in the adjacent room. The doctors were popping bubbles to insert an IV. Fluid oozed onto the floor, and I used every bit of self-control I could muster to avoid throwing up. The woman's eyes were wide and darting back and forth. It was an expression of terror. Terror and agony. As if sensing my stare, a thin stalk from the center of her left eye. The doctors shouted and backed up. The stalk elongated a little over a foot and its tip grew a bubble of its own. The bubble expanded and the weight caused the stalk to droop. It was like the size of an orange and stopped growing. It hung like an obscene fruit. There was a yell from the rooms where they brought the other victim. I assume it was for the same reason. On the other side of the window, more stalks emerged in a cluster from the woman's other eye. All of them produced bubbles like a bunch of grapes. My phone beeped. It was text from Lucy. Can you go look outside? It's that light again. As if on cue, every light in the hospital went out. The emergency lights clicked on for a half a second and then went dead. There was nothing. Nothing but the stream of pink light coming in from open ambulance bay doors. I stepped in the hall and asked no one in particular what was happening. I doubt anyone heard me because the light shifted from pink to white, accompanied by a blast of noise I can only describe as static. It caused me to clasp my hands to my ears and retreat backward into the room where I cowered in the corner. I saw shadows passing in front of the white light reflecting off the floor, bizarrely shaped shadows. They moved in a way that was both jerky and fluid, like jelly suspended on bone. The shadows darkened as whatever was making them got closer. Doctors and nurses in the next room shrieked, and then there was a flash which silenced them. Then two feet away in the hall, harshly illuminated from the back by piercing white light, I saw it. My initial thought of jelly suspended on bone wasn't far off. Six ossified tubes carried heavy, segmented portions of sloshing, semi-transparent sacks. The first thing that came to mind was the body of a jellyfish. Bubbles and waving stalks decorated the entirety of its trunk, and it walked by, either not noticing me or not caring about my presence. It reached the room of another victim. Just like before, there was a scream, a flash of light, and then silence. The light outside went dark, the sound stopped, the emergency lights in the hospital clicked on. I scrambled to my feet and looked through the window at the room next to me. The doctors were writhing on the ground with burns on their exposed skin. The burns didn't look life-threatening, but the woman on the gurney was gone. Nothing left but sticky yellow fluid on the floor. What the fuck was that? I yelled, <laughs> banging on the window. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
Me too, dude. What the fuck? The person who'd been stitching me up got off the floor, came back into the room, and asked me to sit down so he could finish. A nasty burn on the bridge of his nose wept tears of lymphatic fluid down his mouth and chin. ABD code, he said. Abduction. We've trained for them, but it was the first one I ever saw. They're not supposed to come back for the abductees, though. I wonder why they did that. I sputtered and asked, you, you people have dealt with this? How is this going to be on the front page of every paper? Well, you'll forget about it in a few hours. Everyone will. Better write down what you remember so you can tell your friends. You'll recall something happening, but you won't remember what it was. I looked at him, stupefied. So how can you train for something like that? And how do you know it was your first one if you can't remember? He shrugged. It's just what I was told, and a good point about that other thing. He paused, and I saw a series of nearly invisible, faded scars around his hairline. He smiled and nodded. A very good point. <laughs> wow. I liked that a lot. Yeah, that was good. That was gross. That was, like, unsettling, some good writing. Yeah, <laughs> Unsettling Stories always has this way to bring, like, visceral creepiness to yeah. to your mind. You know, the way that they, they use adjectives and, and certain words that we don't use in our daily vocabulary. Mm-hmm. You know, just like a stalks you know, thin stalks erupting from the eye. I was just yeah. like, ah. Growing, like, grapefruits, like, Ugh. Yeah, no. no thanks. I hate no thanks. that. <laughs> I, know. I, I like also, that a have lot, you, Have you ever seen, um, did you ever go to the Mutter Museum in Philly and see the soap lady? Yeah. Reminds me of her. Is that what you thought about? Yeah, that's what I was picturing when they were talking about all the oozing bubbles and shit like that. I was like, Ugh. <laughs> for for me, um, when I was a kid, I had a really bad run-in with Poison Ivy. And um, it got to the point where, like, my hand was covered with bubbles at one point, and I needed to go to the doctor to have the bubbles popped and drained. And yeah. um, it's, like a, it's like a serious allergic reaction to Poison yeah, Ivy. Yeah. And... Um, I remember having, uh, on my pinky specifically, uh, right below my nail, um, you know, the bubble almost the size of my thumbs, like nail just coming up off of my pinky. And, um, you know, I remember popping it and then it coming back and then popping it and it coming back. And like, now I'm fairly certain I have like a scar uh-huh. on my hand like where that is because I I didn't let that heal properly. So for mm-hmm. me like oozing yellowish bubbles like yeah like I I've been there. <laughs> you know, I don't I don't <laughs> I don't like remembering it. I was very young and very scared. I thought I had a disease of some kind. Um I hate it. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm glad. Um I fucking- I fucking hated that to fix. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, see, when I saw me... that, I wasn't expecting it. I was like, whoa. Sure. Sure. But, yeah, it's, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're good. <laughs> I kind of want to read the one that says, we know you are out there. Ooh, that sounds scary. Oh no, this is from Toast. What's that? <laughs> Toast is the Tumblr source that we read on several episodes. Um, Toast recently um, knocked me for a loop. It's mostly one to two page, really stupid short stories. 
on episode, I want to say like 115, I read like a 17 page long toast story uh, that someone wrote on Tumblr and it was actually really good. So, excuse me. I hope uh, this goes one of two ways. You know, I hope if it's stupid that it buys into itself so that I could have fun with it. Or yes. <laughs> if it's if it's good, I hope that it, it really um you know, just you know, it's it's Rock paced well, it's written well, yeah, like it, it mm-hmm. hits all the right checkpoints. Mm-hmm. So uh, this one is called We Know You Are Out There, and this one is from Toast, which stands for the other side tumbler, which I am actually I don't think it exists anymore, so um Tumblr's kind of a slowly dying social media platform, so yes. I'm not surprised. Yes. Yeah, me neither. At this point, you know, we've been reading them ever since, you know, the very early on the show two years ago. Mm-hmm. So I think somewhere in the last year, the, the Tumblr just, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. We made a mistake. That is the simple, undeniable truth of the matter, however painful it may be. The flaw was not in our observatories, for those machines were as perfect as we could make and they showed us only the unfiltered light of truth. The flaw was not in the predictor, for it is a device of pure, infallible logic turning raw data into meaningful information without the taint of emotion or bias. No, the flaw was within us the orchestrators of this disaster, the sentients who thought themselves beyond such failings, we are responsible. It began a short while ago, as things are measured less than six over six daily ago, though I suspect our systems of measurement will mean very little by the time anyone receives this transmission. We detected faint radio signals from a blossoming intelligence 2 over 14 dealus outward from the galactic core as photons travel. At first, crude and unstructured, these leaking broadcasts quickly grew in complexity and strength, as did the messages they carried. Through our observatories, we watched a strife of violence, populated by a barbaric race of short-lived, fast-breeding vermin. They were brutal and uncultured, things which stabbed and shot and burned each other with no regard for their life or purpose. Even their concepts of art spoke of conflict and pain. And that reminds me of a really fun shirt I wanted to buy where it's like an alien smoking a cigarette and it says, but is it art? <laughs> and I really, I really want to get that shirt. It's a self-portrait. Isn't that just you? (laughs) But is it art? Yeah, absolutely. I I wish I had it back for those critiques, you know? I would wear it on critique day. (laughs) But is it art? You're right. I should have thought more critically about my outfits for critique. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I dressed more French on critique days. (laughs) We could have worn matching berets. We fucked up. Oh, I would have hated it and loved it at the same time. They divided themselves according to some bizarre cultural patterns and then set their industry to the cause of death. (laughs) Yeah, sounds right. They terrified us. But we were older and wiser and so very far away, so we did not fret. Then we watched them split the atom and breach the heavens within the breadth of one of their single short generations, and we began to worry. When they began actively transmitting messages and greetings into space, we felt fear and horror. Their transmissions promised peace 
and camaraderie to any who were listening, but we had watched them for too long to buy into such transparent deceptions. They knew we were out here, and they were coming for us. The orchestrators consulted the predictor, and the output was dire. They would multiply and grow, and flood out of their home system like the uncountable tide of devourer worms, consuming all that lay in their path. It might be six over eight dealers, but they would destroy us if left unchecked. With aching carapaces, we decided to act and sealed our fate. The gift of mercy was eight over four strides long, with a mouth two over four that, in diameter, filled with many four over four weights of machinery, fuel, and ballast. It would push itself up to two-eighths of light speed with its onboard fuel, and then begin to consume interstellar primary element 2 over 2 to feed its unlimited acceleration. It would be traveling at nearly light speed when it hit. They would never see it coming. Its launch was a day of mourning, celebration, and reflection. The horror of the act we had committed weighed heavily upon us all. The necessity of our crime did little to comfort us. The gift had barely cleared the outer comatory halo when the mistake was realized, but it was too late. The gift could not be caught, could not be recalled or diverted from its path. The architects and work crews, horrified at the awful power of the thing upon which they had labored, had quietly self-terminated in droves, walking unshielded into radiation zones, neglecting proper null pressure, safety, or simple casing their nutrient consumption until their metabolic functions stopped. The appalling cost in lives had forced the orchestrators to streamline the gift's design and construction. There had been no time for the design or implementation of anything beyond the simple, massive engines and the stabilizing systems. We could only watch in shame and horror as the light of genocide faded in infrared against the distant void. They grew, and they changed, and in a handful of lifetimes they abolished war abandoned their violent tendencies and turned themselves to the grand purpose of life and art. We watched them remake first themselves and then their world. Their frail, soft bodies gave way to gleaming metals and plastics. They unified their people through an omnipotent communications grid and produced art of such power and emotion the likes of which the galaxy has never seen before, or again, because of us. They converted their home world into a paradise by their standards, and many ten over sixes of them poured out into the surrounding system with a rapidity and vigor that we could only envy. With bodies built to survive every environment from the daylit surface of their innermost world to the atmosphere of their largest gas giant and the cold void in between, they set out to sculpt their system into something beautiful. At first, we thought them to be simple miners, stripping the rocky planets and moons for vital resources, but then we began to see the purpose of their construction, the artworks carved into every surface, and traced across the system in glittering lights and dancing fusion trails, and still, our terrible gift approached. They had less than two over two dealy to see it, following so closely on the tail of its own light in that time, oh so brief even by their fleeting lives, more than ten by ten sentience prepared for death. 
Lovers exchanged last words, separated by worlds and the tyranny of light speed. Their planet-side engineers worked frantically to build sufficient transmission to upload countless masses with the necessary neural modification, while those above dumped lifetimes of music and literature from their databanks to make room for passengers, those lacking the required hardware of the time to acquire it consigned themselves to death, lashed out in fear and pain, or simply went about their lives as best they could under the circumstances. The gift arrived suddenly, the light of its impact visible in our skies, shining bright and cruel even to the unaugmented ocular receptor. We watched and we wept for our victims, dead so many dealists before the light of their doom had even reached us, many six over fours of those have been directly or even tangentially involved in the creation of the gift sealed their spiracles, was paced as the final penance for the small roles they had played in this atrocity. The light dimmed, the dust cleared, and our observatories refocused upon the place where their shining blue world had once hung in the void and found only dust and pale gleam of an orphaned moon wrapped in a thin burning wisp of atmosphere that had once belonged to its parent. Radiation and relativistic shrapnel had wiped out much of the inner system, and continent-sized chunks of molten rock carried screaming ghosts outward at interstellar escape velocities, damned to wander the Great Void for an eternity. The damage was apocalyptic, but not complete. From the shadows of the outer worlds, tiny points of light emerged, thousands of fusion trails of single ships and world ships and everything in between, many tens of six of survivors in flesh and steel and memory banks ready to rebuild. For a few moments we felt relief, even joy, and we were filled with the hope that their culture and art would survive the terrible blow we had dealt them. Then came the message, tightly focused at our star transmitted simultaneously by hundreds of your ships. We know you are out there, and we are coming for you. Yeah! yeah. Revenge! Vengeance! We what love a good all, vengeance story. What all humans want to be the Liam Neeson in their own story of revenge. <laughs> I really liked the, uh, the setup for that story, the kind mm. of, um, you know... Aliens being afraid of humans trying to wipe out humans. And then we're like, oh, really? <laughs> and then kind of respecting the humans at the end and regretting their actions and then realizing, you know, they're no better mm -hmm. than us. And I think yeah, that's, um, exactly. you know, it's, it's a little heavy handed at points because you can tell that um, the person who wrote this was trying to do something about, you know, the atomic bomb. Mm -hmm. The people who made that have very little to do with like uh the utilization of it and we kind of used it uh needlessly uh m multiple times to just kind of uh set precedents and you know kill millions of people it's not great <laughs> less it's than not optimal <laughs> it's not the best decision we've ever made um no it's probably the worst or one of the worst. <laughs> it's arguably if, one of the worst in the history of I mankind. To, you know, I mean, I'm no scientist, but <laughs> you know, just based uh, on... But that's, yeah. And you know, it's ever since then we've been under this uh, under this kind of veil cloud threat 
that that can happen to us at any time, you know? So, like, ever since that day, you know, lives have been changed, you know, everything's been changed. And I think um, there's a point in that story where I was like, okay, this isn't as heavy-handed as I thought it was going to be, but at the same time, the ending the ending paragraph is what I like the most. The realization that, uh, that this race that thought it was above us essentially lowered itself to our mm-hmm. standards. And mm-hmm. then when they did that, um, we caught them in the act and said, like, you're no better than us. And mm-hmm. now that we know who you are, we're going to fucking try to kill you. <laughs> we're going to kill you because you killed all of us. Because so. you did that to us. So fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, I also, I really liked, uh, I don't know. I liked the, like this weird inevitability in the story too. Like the whole thing was just like weirdly inevitable. They were like, yeah. okay, like we're gonna like they sent out the thing, and then they were like, oh shit, and there was literally <laughs> nothing they could do except watch it, you know, watch everything catch on fire and just kind of like salute the universe as they burned. Yeah, imagine, imagine the nuclear bomb took a year to go off. <laughs> oh my god! And, and like sat- everything got solved and was fine in that year. Yeah, how sad. But there's nothing we could do to stop it. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Interesting. Unnamed alien race. Yeah. This this next story is called The Pilot, and this is also from Unsettling Stories. So you liked Bubbles. Uh, I'm sure Pilot is in the same vein. All right. Like so many things, it started with a bright spot in the night sky. Not the bubbles again! (laughs) Please, I can't do more bubbles. It was so gross. I love it, though. I love the gross. I can't deny it. Just kidding. Just kidding, but also please. (laughs) Like so many things, it started with a bright spot in the night sky. As I watched, it grew brighter closer. Before long, I could hear it. It was loud and constant, a freight train riding a persistent thunderclap. Birds were roused from their sleep and they took to the sky, soaring away from the threatening light and sound. I didn't move, though. I had to see. (laughs) Me, too. (laughs) I was going to say me. I'm going to be like, what's going on? My eyeballs are going to burn out of my skull, but at least I'll get to see it. Are you gonna pull like those, uh, like an Indiana Jones, and stare directly at the Ark of the Covenant? Yes. <laughs> Have your whole face melt off just so you can look at God one time. <laughs> I just want to be like, cool. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> at least he died doing what he loved. Getting into shit. Staring at shit. It struck the ground in the woods outside my property, perhaps a quarter mile away. A second later, a searing blast of heat and pressure singed my eyebrows and threw me to the ground. My days, while not insubstantial, was pushed to the side by excitement and wonder. I can't help the survival instinct here. Like, you good, dude? Yeah, like, do you really want to do that? Yeah, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, you know, I'm all about that curious shit, but I feel like if my eyebrows are singed off and there's, like, you know some kind of explosion near me. I don't know. I feel like there's a time when you just kind of look and you're like, hmm, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe don't go outside. I scrambled to my feet and ran toward the impact site. The woods were alive with fire, orange plasma licking the evergreens as the sap within boiled and hissed. 
I passed the charred bodies of squirrels and deer as I darted around the hottest spots of quickly dying flames. Before long, I was there. The crater was about as wide and deep as a backyard swimming pool. At its center was a red rock, bright red, fire engine red. Its color wasn't from the heat, I noticed with some surprise, as feathery rime crept with fractalic persistence over its exposed surface. For a moment, there was no sound. I peered into the crater and watched the rime crawl up the rock, wondering how ice could form so close to the still smoldering brush and dirt alongside it. On the other side of the object, out of my view, a, silver, a sliver of yellow light flashed. Before I could go around to investigate, a crack spread on the surface of the rock. Dazzling, hypnotic sparkles of yellow and green filled my eyes. I woke up on the forest floor at some point in the morning. The fires were out. Whatever had been in the crater had crumbled to dust. Without any knowledge of how I'd lost consciousness, I felt fear tickle the back of my neck. Now. Only now. This guy's afraid. <laughs> no, it's just that time I looked at my watch and it's time to be afraid now. It's fear time. It's, it's scary time. <laughs> Almost as quickly as it started, though, the feeling evaporated. All my concern evaporated. For the first time in my 40 years of life, I felt wonderful. At peace. I followed the trail that had been left for me. It led to my garage. Impelled to write something to let the world know what had and would be happening to me, I took my phone from my pocket and started to type. And here I am. Here we are. I hadn't noticed the gossamer-thin tendril stretching from my forehead to the pilot until we officially met. Its eye stalks perched upon, perked upon seeing me enter the garage, and it extruded newer, thicker filaments from its bulk to greet me. They stopped at my clothes, slapping weakly and wetly against the fabric until I got the message and stripped them off. Unhindered, the finger-thick fil filaments, now perhaps tendrils, pushed into me. Oh, oh god, we're getting it. We're doing Is this it. happening? <laughs> Whoa, consent, please. <laughs> it sounds like he's consenting. I, I tasted guess. the cosmos with my skin, and every exposed surface of my body sang in an electric choir of caress nerves. Oh. Let them know how it feels, the pilot whispered in me. Oh my god. The sensation was that I picked the right story. This is God. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. I call it shit God. <laughs> <laughs> the sensation was that of being licked by a 10,000 tongues. If 10,000 tongues were emissaries of 10 billion galaxies, I felt stars blink into existence on my chest and detonate in supernova chaos upon my hands and feet. Pulsars fondled my shoulders while civilizations discovered fire and tamed the atom on my cheeks and under my scalp. They used the word fondled. God damn, like, that's, if I ever have an orgasm like that, like, I think I'll be good to go, like, I mean. A bullet to your brain is the only cooldown from that, because there's going to be Honestly, I don't, I don't think he's ever going to come back from it. <laughs> have them come to us so we can let them feel the pilot breathe throughout me. I dialed 911 and sighed the words officer down at 133 Royal Route 5. It didn't take long. The pilot kissed each one with its tendrils the moment they arrived. The stellar choir of skin and taste grew by nine. The pilot, too, had grown. It filled the entirety of the garage, its filaments and tendrils and tentacles poking and pouring out of windows and doorways. The ground grew slick with its excretions. We stood, we stand, inside all connected, all consumed and all consuming, all feeling. 
More calls have been made and our network of flesh will only increase. The pilot is gifting us with poetry to swallow, concepts that can only be understood once they've been tasted, once they've been digested, once they've been incorporated. It is with a fleeting sense of loss that I recall the man who I'd been, a man who just last night succumbed to his fervid curiosity and ran toward the fire. Never once did he care about being burnt, never once did he worry about what may happen, and now he is here. Now I am here. Now we are here. It was his desire to learn, and now he knows everything. The pilot is broken through the roof of the garage and is towering above the forest. It tells me if I were to measure, it would be a mile. One mile of the pilot stretching like a gray-green obelisk through the cosmos which birthed it. More sirens puncture the tranquility of our home on the outskirts of the forest. Soon they will stop. The pilot can now reach aircraft with its tendrils, which have grown strong enough to break through. All those bodies inside are now with us. We all taste stars. We all bathe in radiation and fling ourselves towards the expanding borders of the universe in simultaneous orgasm. <sighs> the pilot whispers he is 20 miles tall now. Depending where you are, if you look outside, you might see it. If you do, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious. Just feel the one final moment of your loneliness, of your solitude. Then open your windows, smile, and wait. It's time for you to meet the universe. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> well, that was the best piece of literature I've ever read. I don't know about you. <laughs> But Nobel Peace oh Prize, my God. I think Pulitzer Prize, like, let's go. Jesus Christ. It's been a that's, time. That's amazing. Wow. That's just they amazing. Did, like, you know, they did everything except use the word. And then the last fucking, the last, the third to last paragraph, they were like, oh yeah, it's a fucking orgasm. They were orgasm. like, orgasm. We will control humanity. <laughs> Why does this happen on your episodes? <laughs> Why? I mean, I don't know. Is it I'm a okay or is with it. it? I'm just Justin? wondering. Like, I didn't <laughs> oh. plan this, so I just want to know why. I, uh, I, I don't know. It seems like you've been planning these things. Do you have something to tell me? Listen, <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, I literally said, which avenue do you want to go? And I let you decide. And this is where we ended up. <laughs> You gotta well, admit, you know, that's pretty if fucking you have, crazy. If you have a confession to make, it's okay. I'll understand. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, so I want to do... I want to do Roots of Change, because that one caught my eye. Alright. Um, when I was scrolling past it, it's kind of like... um. It kind of looks like logs. Okay, so this one is also from Unsettling Stories... But hopefully, um, you know, it's not about uh, <laughs> mont a a alien fucking. Alien fucking. Right. Maybe, maybe it will. <laughs> Who maybe knows? We'll see. Who knows at this point? Roots of change, unsettling stories. November nineteenth, two thousand sixteen. The lights in the sky were a diversion. We should have looked down. Oh shit. I love reptilians. Reptilians are like one of my favorite aliens, you know, from the underground. That would be great. Let's do it. Ground worms. Death worms. Death worms. <laughs> big old, big old lizard boys Let's coming to it. hang out. Bring me the lizard boys. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess you want them to appear for a different reason, but I just, <laughs> I just want to hang out, you know? I don't know. I want to know what they're doing down there. Like, 
Like, do they have rooms? Are they just tunneling? Like, I have a lot of architectural questions. November 20th, 2016. In a matter of days, the following terms will have meaning to everyone in the world. That which grows through our heels. That which tastes our skin. That which fills our pores. That which empties. I'm okay. okay. Is it gonna be another one? <laughs> November twenty first, two thousand sixteen. Laura is dead. Gus is dead. Muhammad is dead. Mess is dead. Everyone's <laughs> great. November twenty second, two thousand sixteen. Where can one go when everywhere is a trap waiting to be sprung? I feel as if I'm navigating an endless minefield with every step having potential to be my last. Everyone is staring at the sky with hope in their eyes. Everyone is going to die. November 23rd, 2016. We shouldn't have gone looking for them. November 24th, 2016. Roger is dead. He is standing right in front of me. November 25th, 2016. That which grows through Roger's heels has reached his calves and thighs. His neck is still craned skyward, and his beatific smile has yet to slip. His death mask is one of hope and astonishment. His body is being digested as he stands. November 26, 2016. The last of our group received a message from the other side of the base. Everyone is to remain silent. I refuse. Even if I'm dead by the time this is released, people can still say they had some warning. It may be too late. November 27th, 2016. Dr. Franklin is dead. He was taken while in the shower. I was called to officially verify the cause of death, as if it were possible to have been anything other than what was already obvious. He was rooted to the ground and they continued to grow through the tile floor. As I watched, his Achilles tendons snapped and rolled up into his calves, but he did not fall. The growths seem to be moving faster now. Their tiny tongues flick over his skin. November 28, 2016, Laura, Gus, Muhammad, and Ness have started to undergo phase two. Their pores are stretching. The stalks are starting to push out. We can see the entities moving through their bodies. How such enormous pressure can be contained by skin is a mystery. I hope to die before uncovering. Muhammad has connected to Gus. Laura and Ness are growing away from the cluster. Seabirds are dying. November 29th, 2016, Roger has connected to Dr. Franklin across a space of 250 yards. There appears to be no material strong enough to block the connections once they've started. Both Roger and the doctor have gone into phase two faster than any of the others. November 30th, 2016, the eruptions from the ground are reaching into the sky to capture birds. It began with a few in the vicinity of the Laura Gus Muhammad Ness cluster, but it has spread island-wide. The highest burst point appears to be 1,200 feet. December 1st, 2016, one of our watercraft discovered a blue whale five feet below the surface. 
the animal has been rooted. Further investigation shows a 200 swath below the whale has also been rooted. Some of the affected has reached phase 3. December 2nd, 2016. All the dead on the island have entered phase 3. The entities are emptying out of the pores and transforming the ground below. The birds which have been rooted mid-flight are raining the substance onto the ground and water below. The new biology is beginning to take hold. It's becoming harder to breathe. Like Maroon 5. <laughs> December 3rd, 2016. The first report of rooting on the mainland came through overnight. There is nothing left to do but wait. If the lights give you any pleasure, just keep watching them. Just enjoy the moment for as long as you can. I'm sorry. That was, like, wild. I actually liked that a lot. That was crazy good. Yeah, I really liked... That was liked... crazy good in the same way, like, um, like conceptually, like, Bird Box is, is crazy good. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's only on execution of an hour and a half or hour, like, close to two hour long movie where mm -hmm. you realize the rules kind of collapse in and, you know, make things not as scary anymore. Mm -hmm. But, um... Something about the um, the nonsense uh, choice making that mm -hmm. was taking place, just kind of like a oh, and then that guy got taken, and then well, why not everyone else? You know, like what what's the end game? What's the possibility here? And it seems like at some point, like complete complete biological overhaul. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't know how to quantify that, but yeah. it seemed. I know what you mean, though. <laughs> like a parasite? Like a parasite that re, um, that uses our bodies, uh, you know, that's a, that's a very sci-fi thing. You know, Alien did that. Very much so. I also like the whole, I like a, the plant-based, like a weird, like, plant life kind of thing. I think that's fucking cool. Yeah, tendrils, tentacles, always been a very, um very alien thing biology um mm -hmm. you know roots and plants that's that's very fun i got um, like a very like fungal like mushroom kind of like spore you ever see, uh, sort of thing yeah i was gonna i was gonna bring up either last of us or uh invasion of the body snatchers yeah definitely plant-based sci-fi it's cool um it looks like we have two choices left here Okay. Uh, the Lake House in New Hampshire, or My Last Abduction. I'm going to go with My Last Abduction. Like I knew you would. Because <laughs> guess, cause guess who fucking wrote that one? Is it un it's Unsettling Stories. It's Unsettling Stories. <laughs> I'm not doing this on purpose. I swear to God, I'm not. Probe me, daddy. Anyway. <laughs> well... It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> we're fine. <laughs> no, I'm having a great time. We're I hope you're having, having a good time. We're out here having a great time reading unsettling stories, fucking aliens, theoretically. You know, it's good. <laughs> Sometimes literally, you Sometimes know. Sometimes literally, you know. Orgasm. Or My last abduction. I can't fucking deal with this. My last orgasm. By unsettling stories. <laughs> <laughs> they come for me in broad daylight. Over the last few years, they had removed nine toes, twelve teeth, one finger, and three feet of my large intestine. There are Jesus. no scars. They leave no other evidence. They take what they want and leave me with less and less each time. Every visit diminishes me. 
I fucking loved that. That was that good. was great. That was that good. was great. That was fucking oof, spicy. That was the spicy spicy line. <laughs> that was great. People can't see them. Dogs can though. Cats can too. Maybe birds. They'll howl or hiss or fly away, but that won't deter the visit. From what I've learned, nothing will. My right thumb was taken four days ago. Yo, that would fucking piss me off. Like, really? Like, literally? Like, oh my god, I'd be so bad. I'd be like, you can have the left thumb. You cannot have the right thumb. I need that. I need that to masturbate. How am I going to play video games? (laughs) (laughs) My right thumb was taken four days ago. I was walking to the supermarket when I felt the telltale prickles of static electricity cascading down the back of my neck and head. Pigeons in the area began to screech. The sense of weightlessness I'd grown to know and dread swept over me as I was lifted into the clear sky. I saw my replacement continue his walk. He always continues exactly where I'd left off. The people walking behind me didn't notice a thing. I know that this long pulse skyward is an illusion, perhaps even one for my benefit, that they can instantaneously place my replacement as some kind of proof that they're capable of teleportation. But perhaps the sensation of travel is their way of easing my mind. If so, it's a strange way of doing it. Moments later, I'll feel the agony of every incision and every amputation as their machines work. Despite their best efforts, I am not and never will be again at ease. During my first abduction, I was deposited where my replacement had been. The physical transition was seamless, but the mental and emotional ones were not. For those sitting in the room with me, I went from laughing at a a joke to shrieking and pulling off my socks and shoes to reveal my missing pinky toe. It was my abductor's first souvenir. At the hospital, my checkup yielded no issues, none whatsoever in fact. I appeared to be in perfect physical health save for the missing toe. I was unsurprised when they wouldn't believe what I had claimed had happened to me. I was kept overnight for observation and given a prescription for an anti-anxiety medication and discharged. I've been back to the hospital over a dozen times since. The doctors began to realize something was happening. They noticed perfect, seamless amputations and extractions as parts of me that previous x-rays showed were quite present at the time of the scans. The medical professionals were at a complete loss. As I mentioned before, four days ago, my right thumb was taken. I didn't go to the hospital after I was deposited back into the kitchen of my home. Three days later, I lost my left hand. I was deposited back into my shower. The stump below my wrist was clean white and smooth. I did not go to the hospital. Two days ago, my penis and testicles were excised. The agony All right, of I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> bullet, bullet in my brain, gun in my mouth. I am now dead. You have taken all of me. Well, <laughs> that's all that matters. If I can't, if I can't get that. off, then I'm going to fucking kill myself. <laughs> Don't objectify yourself. <laughs> I want to. <laughs> And you know what? It is your right to do that. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) The agony of their amputation was exquisite, hideous, and profound. The pain disappeared when I returned. I immediately went to the hospital where I remain. The head of the hospital made many, many calls. No more than a few hours later, I was visited at my bedside by people in black suits. They made me sign documents that I'm invalidating as I type this. The men in black. Will Smith himself. The men in black will only show up after your dick gets chopped off. (laughs) If you're a living Ken doll, we want to know how and why. (laughs) Because it terrifies us. (laughs) (laughs) You can lose your hand, your thumb, intestines, anything else, but if you lose your dick... But nah, they took my dick! (laughs) Before dawn this morning, I was taken again. 
It was the first time I was abducted at night. It was also the first time I saw the faces of the, my abductors. To attempt to explain the sheer incomprehensible horror of their appearance would only blunt the reality of their form. No words exist in any human language to describe the feeling that laying my eyes upon them had evoked. The word incomprehensible dwarfs the word horror, and I've never felt so frightened in my life. Not until mere hours ago. When I was returned, I knew nothing had been taken. The machines that had stolen so much of me had not been used. Something new had been employed. Something worse. Something alive. I was swapped with my replacement and found myself where I'd been beforehand, my hospital bed. I began to scream with a force that caused blood vessels in my eyes to burst. Before anyone could arrive, I started to feel what had been done to me. They didn't question my demand that they scan me. They didn't even hesitate. When it was over, no one spoke. No one even looked at me. Their eyes were glued to the screens. Two pairs of them began to leak tears down horrified faces. That was all the confirmation I needed. I'm typing this with the laptop I'd been given to compose my last will and testament, but I have nothing to give and no one to give it to. This is more important. Please realize that during my most recent abduction, I saw many, many other people who had been taken. People of all ages and races from what appeared to be all over the world, and they were all undergoing the same procedure. I don't know how much longer I have. By the looks on the faces of the hospital officials and doctors who saw the scans, I can't imagine it's very long. Right now, if thousands of people around the world are experiencing what I am, things will get very bad very soon. While I wasn't given the opportunity to see the scans, I have all the evidence I need. All six pairs of clawed legs are scratching at my abdomen from the inside. I can see my skin rising and falling as the pressure grows, and what's inside it gets stronger. No one, aside from doctors, hospital officials, and suited men remains in the hospital. Everyone else has been evacuated. Believe my account or choose to ignore it. It's entirely your choice. I won't be around for whatever happens next, but you will. Right now, I feel more of me being taken as teeth inside me are beginning to chew. It's going to happen very soon, and something tells me it's all going to go very quickly from there. Spots of blood are seeping through the sheet covering my belly. <laughs> Gross. Someone, someone is a big fan of Alien. Yeah, really. That was gross. I loved it. It was really gross. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. I liked it, it a really lot. Good. I think um, abduction stories are always fun, but you know, I, at some point, you always got to ask yourself, but like, what's the like point? You know, like what? Um, they have to make a point of why they're abducting people, because mm-hmm. you know, if you. If you go with the regular route of, well, you know, it's just scientists and frogs, you know, um, dissecting and, you know, bisecting and whatnot, then, you know, you have an answer, but it's a pretty boring one. In this one, it was almost like they were um, they were testing out how ignorant the world would be to, like, mm-hmm. all of these people changing, and then they were seeing just how far they can go away with it before things start to get noticed by yeah. too many people of power. Mm. And then at that point, they, they turn the body into a weapon. You know, they, um, they turn it into a, a parasite incubator of some kind. Yeah. We are meat, after all. And we meat is meat. a good house. Meat is a good house wow. for, uh, for parasites and for creation of uh, evil, evil little <laughs> alien beings, I suppose, uh, as, as Ridley Scott and H.R. Geiger would like us to believe, oh, um, or Giger if you're going to be a nerd. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, like, I like that story a lot. Yeah, I did too. It was really, I, I feel like I just keep saying gross. I love it. But that's exactly how I feel about it. Because <laughs> it's accurate. Yeah, it's, it's just disgusting. I love it, but it's disgusting. 
<laughs> so that brings us to our last story of the night, bringing it back to what we started with some Reddit No Sleep. And this story is called The Lake House in New Hampshire. I was going to post this from my actual account, but because I have some shred of credibility here on Reddit, I decided to make this throwaway. I've had many supernatural experiences, but this one was very different from all the others. The horror from that night sticks with me to this day, and I often wonder if I'm due for a repeat experience. Please refrain from suggesting that I'm crazy or trying to proffer alternative explanations. I've considered the alternatives, and I'll gladly accept any of them. I often vacation at a relative's summer house at a small lake in the woods that feeds from Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. It's what you'd expect from a tiny census-designed place along a 50-mile stretch of North-South Highway. Mostly tiny bungalows and summer houses, some antique stores and old barns, one small grocery store and a pub slash bar. My family had visited the town for a week or two every summer since I could remember. I know the immediate area like the back of my hand, but it's still easy to get lost on those dirt back roads and end up in the thick of Maine's woods accidentally. Several years ago, I was vacationing at the lake house and still awake reading around 2am, feeling kind of antsy but not especially uneasy, and not quite ready for bed, I went outside for a cigarette and walked down to the dock to smoke it. Try to picture it in your head, the cabin surrounded by trees on an old dirt road. The back door of the house opens to the deck which is down a short but rather steep rocky hill. From the dock, you can see almost the entire way around the lake. It's obstructed by an island in the middle. Since a few lights from the summer cabins are generally lit, while there are houses immediately nearby, most of them remain unoccupied for the majority of the summer. I could see a light or two visible way over the lake and the imposing shadow of the island about a half mile ahead of me in the lake. The lights from faraway cars would twinkle far at the other end of the lake where the highway led to the closest real town, but everything was very dark. Very dark and very quiet. As I was standing there smoking like I had a dozen of times before, I felt my skin start to crawl. There was nothing apparent that caused it to happen, but I was struck by a sense of ill at ease. Without looking, I started to feel very strongly as though something was staring at me from the tree on my left about a hundred yards away. But when I turned to look at it directly, it was gone, almost as though it anticipated the movement of my head during and was able to move quickly. My eyes were still adjusting to the darkness, and I convinced myself that I was only scaring myself. There was nothing there. I continued to smoke my cigarette. And then I caught the movement again. In order to move my peripheral vision in line with the trees where I sensed movement, I started backing up slowly from the dock. This was the last vacation with my family before I got married, and I suppose that it was one of my brothers playing a prank on me. Step by step, without turning my head, I backed up and turned my eyes to the extreme right. Now I saw something for sure behind the fire pit and some bushes. Knowing now that it was one of my brothers, I nearly broke for a run toward it, but for some reason I hesitated, and instead of turning towards it, I fixated my peripheral vision on it. What I saw was not my brother. It was short, dark person, hairless, large, almond-shaped eyes, and it was holding something. Slowly, I saw it lift a slender arm and reach toward me and outstretched as if to indicate he's the one. Now, I didn't believe that aliens exist then, and I don't necessarily believe that they do now. All I know is that what I saw was actually there and was not the result of drug or alcohol use. 
I hadn't had anything to drink that day and I'm not a drug user. That's that's a shame because yeah. at least if you were stoned, you know, you might have had a better time. With yeah, the, you would have been aliens. like, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> let's, smoke, let's smoke some space rocks. Space rocks. I hadn't had anything to drink that day, and I'm not a drug user. I blinked my eyes twice, and the thing remained still and quiet, holding a strange device to its chest and pointing at me. More curious than scared at this point, but with adrenaline pumping so hard that my temples hurt, I turned around quickly. My plan was to walk calmly back to the house, but when I turned, I sensed a flurry of movement from behind perhaps a dozen or more trees in the woods beyond the house, behind an old cabin to my right, further down the lake on my left. The woods were full of them, anticipating my every movement, watching me, but taking care that I could not get a close look at them. I decided that I had no choice but to book it. As I bolted, I could tell I was being chased very quickly and from all sides. The crunch of leaves from all around me was utterly deafening. I got to the porch and stopped, turning around quickly enough to see bald, gray heads of my pursuers duck just out of the view. The woods had assumed an unearthly quiet that I had never experienced before. No crickets, no wildlife, no water lapping, no loons calling. I scrambled into the door and slammed it. Since we were children, my brother was interested in alien encounters. I remember him reading those creepy Whitley Stryber books as a kid. I actually know Whitley Stryber, and that's, that's like a great reference. I planned on waking him up and asking his help, but when I got into the house, my mind went blank. I don't remember walking up the stairs to bed. I never woke my brother. The next morning, the sun filtered through the window. I noticed that I had still had all my clothes on. My brother told me the next day he'd seen light hovering over the lake the previous night. In spite of the strangeness of the situation, he felt entranced by it, as though he couldn't look away. He forgot about it until I told him my experience. We decided to go out the next night with flashlights to check it out, but we couldn't find anything. We did feel vaguely as though we were watched for the rest of our trip, however, a feeling that in subsequent visits to the cabin, we haven't been able to shake. Wait, so... So he's implying that he's gone back to the lake house ever since? I wouldn't go back, man. I would be like, okay. Why? Yeah, no, nah, I would be like, we need a new place. So next year, can we go to Disney World? Because I don't want to go back to the lake house. Yeah, same. Mom, I can't go back to the lake house. I'm scared. I would rather go to, like, New Jersey than go back there. So can we just... Nobody hates New Jersey not? like people from Pennsylvania. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's because it's easy. Yeah, you guys are on another level. It's amazing. I've never even really been to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to New Jersey a bunch. I'm able to say I dislike oh, okay. it. You're, you're speaking from experience. I'm speaking from experience. And you'd rather go to New Jersey than hang out with these weird alien dudes in where New Hampshire? Is that what they said? <laughs> New Hampshire, yeah, New just Hampshire. chilling in the woods, okay. chilling in the woods, playing manhunt. <laughs> yeah, you know, with aliens, except if you get caught, you get your toes chopped off. <laughs> <laughs> you get your dick chopped off, you get, you get your, turned into a Ken doll. You get your dick removed if you lose <laughs> You <manhunt>. lose. <laughs> oh, that sucks. <laughs> you That's were like, not a fair game. I know, I just heard you, you were like, ah, ha, 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 ha. oh man you know and it's funny too though because i love that he was like you know what i'm just gonna go inside he was like good night (laughs) and then i turned my back to all of the aliens and And walked inside and just closed the door yeah he was like bye dude 
Dude, I, why didn't he? Why didn't he weeping angels that situation? You know, why didn't he keep an eye on them and then just slowly walk backwards? It didn't seem like they were gonna move towards him if he had eyes in their direction. So I mean, as as terrifying as it would have been to keep an eye on them and then walk backwards i think it would have been safer and and being someone who likes to get out of dangerous situations <laughs> as fast as possible yeah i feel like noticing that i would have used it against them which is to say uh stare at them until my back touches the door of the cabin <laughs> definitely yeah, it was, I, it was fun. It's funny though because I can't like shit on him for just like you know being like good night and closing the door <laughs> because like I so I was recently living in like a really old house with like um, a roommate and then like my roommate's family and we like the house is really old and um, there was this one night where I was laying in bed and um, <laughs> and I was like you know the room was dark and everything and it wasn't it wasn't that late but it was oh, it was like two o'clock in the morning. And I swear to God, like, it was a basement room, so you really can't hear a lot going on out in the street because it's so deep in the ground. And it was also so late. Like, there's nobody on a residential street that late on, like, a Tuesday night because it was during a weeknight. And um, I was just laying there, and I swear to God, I heard, like, a voice, like, say something, like, in the room. I couldn't tell you what it said because it didn't sound like words. It was really weird. Like, in the room. That's dope. Like, audibly, like, in the room, like, it was a person, like, within, like, it couldn't have been outside because it was too clear. It wasn't muffled at all. But it also wasn't words. It was really weird. And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was real nervous. And then I, like, looked up, I sat up and I looked around. I didn't see anything. And then I laid back down on my back and I heard, like, a voice go, like, like, in a sleepover. You know, like a little kid. And I literally, like, I got mad. I was like, what the? I was like, fuck you, ghost. And I rolled over and I went to sleep. (laughs) I will fuck you, ghost. I was literally like, I was just salty because I was like, this bitch wants attention. And I want to go to sleep. So I'm going to go to sleep and you can go fuck yourself. And then I rolled over and went to sleep. And ignored it. Just, I mean, that's totally okay. To play devil's advocate a little bit, having lived in a basement for like... A very long time. I will say acoustics will play against you. Oh, yeah. Um, I I have this one angle in my room um, where if someone is sitting on the couch where I'm at right now but standing in my bedroom, you can hear me, you know, as if you were sitting right here on this couch next mm-hmm. to me. Like, it... You know, if I were to talk at a basic level of volume, you'd be able to, you know, hear me Mm -hmm. and respond just at the same volume. You know, even if it was close to a whisper, you know, I've had some really weird experiences down here where, like, a friend in the middle of the night, um, you know, like, can't see where they're going. Mm -hmm. And they'll just be like, hey, hey, help, I can't see where I'm going. And I'll be like oh, there's a light switch on the right wall, but I'm, like, in my bed just kind of saying it mm-hmm. out loud for this entire room to hear. And yeah, you've yeah. never been to my place, but, like, I have, a, I have a pretty big, you know, pad down here. Like, mm-hmm. I'm... It's a pretty big... This is, like, a party room. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of space. 
Um, so it's weird, and I will say that acoustics will definitely fuck with you. Oh, without a um, doubt. No, I know. like, you know, there's no telling if it was, I'm not going to say, because I'm generally a very skeptical person in general. Like, Oh, whether... I'm also not trying to deny you. I'm oh, also, no. I'm, I'm, I, lo- like... I, I thought that was a great story. I'm just it's like, just devil's like... advocate is like, yeah, I've yeah, had yeah. very similar experiences down here. It's like, you know, in the moment, it's just, I think that I learned more about myself than I learned about ghosts <laughs> in that moment. Because <laughs> Fuck in, you, ghosts. <laughs> in the moment where I really, like, you know, and of course getting up the next morning, you're like, okay, like, probably not. It was probably just whatever. But, you know, at two o'clock in the morning alone, I was like, that's a fucking ghost. I was like, <laughs> all bets were off. And when I was completely convinced that it was a ghost, I went to sleep and ignored it. i I don't know what that says about me as a person but my roommate when i told him the next morning he was so mad at me because he's like 150 percent like believes everything like terrified of terrified of everything as far as ghosts and the supernatural are concerned (laughs) and he was like what is wrong with you he was like are you fucking kidding me you went to sleep if that had been me i would have never slept again (laughs) I was like, I don't know, man. I just didn't want to give it attention, you know, if it was a ghost. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. Yeah, so my spite is stronger than my fear. <laughs> As a surprise. I also one. really like sleep. So, like, if I were in a deep sleep and something woke me up, I'd be like, fuck you. Come on, I'm trying mm-hmm. to sleep. <laughs> Good night. Nice try. <laughs> Come back later, yeah. you know. Come, Come back, back at a, a better time. Haunt me, haunt me at a reasonable hour. <laughs> me I promise you, I'll be a lot more scared later. <laughs> I'll really ham it up. I promise you won't be disappointed. <laughs> me no, no, a they don't want you to fake it. Child at the end of the hallway and just shutting the door in its face. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Well, this was extraterrestrial three. Probe Me Daddy, episode 124. (laughs) Lots of pasta here with Cannibal Siren. Um, Out of all of the stories we read, which one do you think you liked the most? That one's... That's tough, actually. Because I really liked... um, I really liked The Roots of Change a lot. I really liked that Mm -hmm. one. With the log and, like, the gross... like, Like, that was really different, I think, than what I'm used to seeing for Aliens. So I was down for that one. But, um... I don't know. I liked that one a lot. I also really liked the Bubbles story. It was gross, but I loved it. Bubble, Bubbles was good. I think um, We Know You Are Out There is going to stick with me for a little bit. I just liked the, the narrative and the way it was told. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't read many alien stories from the alien's perspective. And th- and that's why I like the uh, <laughs> the meat story at the beginning. Yes. You know, it's <laughs> like, uh, it just gives a really funny, almost... Uh, you know, like a British humor uh, perspective of of what aliens probably think of us, you know, looking down at us. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure people who have listened to the other alien episodes know that I'm a firm believer that the only reason why aliens haven't made themselves known to us is because they're probably worried that we'd try to like fuck them or eat them Mm -hmm. and just don't (laughs) and don't want to deal with that. And um, we're on the same page in that, like in that sense. I really, I think it's that. I think we're the weird guy that no one wants at the party. I thought that was a really good metaphor that you used. (laughs) I I like that. (laughs) He's the weird guy you don't want showing up. 
No, because he's going to come in, he's going to, like, drink all your beer and ruin everything, make a ton of people uncomfortable, and then you're not going to be able to get him to leave. Yeah. He won't That's know when it's time to go That's always the hardest part, telling, telling someone like that that, like, you will pay for their Uber if they just leave. Get the fuck away from you? Uh, yeah. And that's how I think aliens feel about us. They're like, yo, we don't ever want you guys to come near us. Oh, that's don't. fucking hilarious. <laughs> I've um, never, I, I, I feel like you've put into words like a feeling I've always had, but haven't been able to accurately express. So about, thank you. About aliens or about weird guys at parties? <laughs> about how aliens feel about people. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. I like saying that they're. I like that you. I like the idea of them being inconvenienced by us being like, let's fuck. <laughs> they're like, that, no. That ha- you are that my meat to, sack. <laughs> that has to be you. Like, like just think about it. Think about interdimensional beating beings that hop through space and time, and then they come across these little hairy things that just want to fucking eat all the time and there are two things that are going to happen to them they're either going to get fucked or they're going to get eaten and at that situation i i look i hold a mirror to humanity and say do i want to be fucked or do i want to be eaten and being a human the answer will always be fucked but like we look at chickens we look at animals we look at little things cute little animals and, and like, the answer is always eat. eaten. <laughs> we're like delicious. <laughs> so the answer is always eat. And that makes me think aliens are either worried that we're going to fuck them or eat them. And like, <laughs> I can't help but like, but agree that that isn't a party I want to show up to. Yeah, I get it. If there's a party where I only have two options and that's to get fucked and eaten by something undesirable. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to show up. Yeah, the risk is too is twofold. It's it's you really want you really want to get fucked, but you know that's probably not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Because you're going to show up and there's going to be no one attractive, and you're going to be like fuck. Or or to aliens, you know, the, you know, to put it in, in in the original sense of the story, it's like the the way they want to fuck is you probably like put a finger to their head and then mind melt with them and then they go and then that's it for them like they're done that's that's fucking for aliens wherefore you know humans it's this visceral friction based organic process yeah. and aliens probably want nothing to do with yeah, that yeah probably not it's probably way more intense for them I do not have genitals just touch my brain oh <laughs> And all of us are like, yes, that is the spot. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. That is the spot. (laughs) All the humans are like, this is fucking nerdy. (laughs) This is, this is fucking boring. Can we get this over with my balls hurt? (laughs) Every, every human ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a good summary, uh, summation of that. Yep, good talk. Um, So is, is. Is is there any uh, is there anything else you wanted to say or uh, any anecdotes you want to leave our uh, our audience with uh, after this episode here? Um, I don't know if any more alien anecdotes, so I'm just gonna say if you're out here, aliens, I totally get it. Don't fucking come here. It's the worst party in the galaxy. Do your own thing, <laughs> and we'll leave you. <laughs> I support you. <laughs> I support you ignoring us, ghost humans, for as long as you want. <laughs> 
Sure. I thought I thought you'd fall back on your last episode, which is, hey, aliens, if you're out there, I'm not going to eat you. Let's fuck. I mean, like, if you're down, <laughs> if you're down and you're willing to send me like a Tinder profile thing so I can take a look first, then yeah, let's talk. I'm down for an intergalactic Tinder, but like. Oh, my Tinder profile just says meat sack looking for meat tunnel. That's beautiful. Wow. <laughs> How's that working out for you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. Oh, that's fucking hilarious. Two to the one, to the one to the three. I like the pussy and I like the tree. Smoke so much weed, she wouldn't believe. And I get more ass than a toilet seat. Three to the one, to the one to the three. I met a bad bitch last night.